1: Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 136. In this episode, you're going to hear from Marissa Shadrick. Marissa is a marketing coach and a copywriter. Throughout this episode, she talks about her trip, backpacking in Romania. Sounds so amazing. There's so many great things that we can learn from her adventure. So definitely keep listening for that. Um... Also, just so you know, this was a Facebook Live initially, but it was so good that I brought it onto the podcast because I knew that you could appreciate it. But if for some reason you want to watch the video form, head on over to Facebook and it'll be on my page, Ordinary to Badass, and watch it there. All right. Before we get to the episode, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Gather and Plan Retreat. This retreat is going to be so stinking epic. It's so amazing. So we're going to gather with other badasses like you and plan the rest of 2021. And here's the thing. Don't you want to get ahead? I know that I do. I hate when I feel like I'm behind. And so we go to this retreat, we plan out 2021, and we're going to get momentum and feel like we're ahead when 2022 comes, which is so amazing. So there will be a link in the podcast show notes or in the podcast episode notes. And you can go there to find out more details about the Gather and Plan Retreat. Let's get some momentum in 2021. Let's make it happen. So then we'll feel like we're ahead of the game when it comes time for 2022. I did update the link a bit. So if you're wondering what the agenda is and what it's going to be like, go check it out now. Because there's some more updated information that I think will really help you. But really, I just want to see you in Florida. It's going to be epic. All right. Let's get to the episode. All right. I think we are live. Today I would like to welcome Marissa Marissa Shadrick <laughs> total badass thank you so much for being here Marissa excited to chat with you
2: Oh my gosh I forgot I should wear my my Total badass
0: glasses.
2: (laughs) We're twinsies now. We're (laughs) We're twinsies. Yeah, these are great. Usually when I'm working a long time, I'm wearing my badass glasses. Yes, absolutely. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. Only I need to clean them. So a little foggy right now. (laughs) So good to be here. Thank you.
1: I'm excited to have you on the show. But before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself ordinary or badass?
2: Badass. If I equate badass with internal fortitude to just overcome things, and I am a person that has had to overcome a lot of things, I had a lot of internal knots, and uh, it was scary doing it, but I did it, and I'm just so happy that I did. It, it's been life changing, and it's been an ongoing thing for the last. 10 years at least, that I've been challenging myself. So I would say, yes, <laughs> I am.
1: <laughs> it is so refreshing when somebody just owns it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you attribute your badassery to doing the work, like putting in the work to figure out, I don't know what you said, the nuts or something?
2: I had lots of mental nuts and I would equate it with internal fortitude badass because there's certain things that we know we can overcome, it could be any challenge. I mean, let's face it, parenting can be, you could be a badass parent because parenting is can be challenging too. But in life, there's things that you just wanna overcome. You don't wanna live with regrets. There's things that you wanna do. There's goals, there's dreams that you have. And yet sometimes fear can cause you to recoil and not pursue those things. And I decided to face fear a long time ago, because I was a very much an introvert. I was very uh, shy, very insecure. And I knew I had to overcome those things if I wanted to accomplish some of the things I wanted to accomplish. And one of them was writing, one of them was speaking, it was starting a, a new business. And I had to face each thing with fear and trembling at times, but overcame those things. And it wasn't easy. But I feel so much better. I mean, afterwards, in retrospect, it was so worth it. I mean, literally, each stage was difficult. But um, in the long run, I feel like, like I'm finally becoming the person I was intended to be. So there you have it.
1: So when you feel fear now, is there something that you say to yourself?
2: Well, when one of the first things that was a struggle for me for fear is I wanted to write. I wanted to be a writer. And I was a writer that didn't want anybody to read my writing. And part of that was because when I was young in living in New York City, I mean, in grade school, like first grade, second grade, third grade, my parents were immigrants. And so in a way, I kind of lived between two worlds, you know, the Western world, American world, and then my, my parents who were from South America. And being that I was shy, we spoke Spanish at home. I went to school. They spoke English. Our customs were different. And so that caused me to be more insecure. And as a result, I didn't talk a lot. And I think they thought I didn't know English. <laughs> so they put me in remedial English. And I, it stayed with me. They kept me in remedial English all the way through high school. And so why would someone that's been in remedial English all your academic life, you know, before college, why would you even consider becoming a writer? It just right. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fit. But I decided to go back to a community college and I took every single writing class. I took Shakespeare, anything I could find that was related to writing. And I decided to do that and I get, got straight A's. And one of the writers, one of the teachers told me that she was also a writer and she told me, you could be published. And that was just breathe life into me. And so I thought, if she thinks I can, then maybe I can. And lo and behold, I went to writers conferences and I pitched articles and it was really, I was still very insecure, very nervous about it. And literally I could feel my stomach feel like it was getting upset and feeling like I was getting cold sweat as I got closer to some of the, you know, uh, publishing editors and stuff, because I was really timid still. And um I did get published, my first article got published in an international magazine. And the thing was, I did not have a problem working hard. I just didn't have the confidence. And the same thing was with public speaking. I decided to join um, a type of, uh, it's, a, it's a membership, Toastmasters, I'm sure you probably heard of it.
1: Yeah, and I've
2: been of it. Yeah, it's international. And I decided to join it to see if I can overcome my fear of public speaking. And I sat there for six months and didn't even do my first, they call it like an icebreaker, where you just talk about yourself. You know, Can't be that hard, right? (laughs) At six months, I'm sitting there, and I hadn't done mine yet. And they said, you need to start doing it. And the first time I stood up there and talked to a small little tiny group, I stopped in the middle. I said, I can't do this. She's like taking notes or something here, and it's distracting me. I totally forgot what I was going to say, and I went and sat down. (laughs) So it was... Through that, that I ended up developing, cutting my teeth on speaking. And then they said, you need to compete. And I said, I, what? I can't compete, you know? And I had been in Toastmasters already for a number of years. And I decided, what the heck? I'll go ahead and do it. And then everybody will leave me alone. And I and I won the humorous speech. I came in third third place. And then they said, you should try for the International. It's a six-month competition with over 30 30 to 35,000 contestants from all over the world. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I'll be done after the first contest. Cause you have to go through, there's different stages. There's a club contest and then they have the area and district and it just keeps going on. And so um, I said, okay, I'll do this. And I figured it'll just end at the club level. I don't have to continue on. And I kept winning and I ended up, in the semifinals speaking at caesar's palace in las vegas (laughs) with an international audience and i ended up as one of the top 100 speakers in the world (laughs) so there you go you just don't say that you can't all you have to do is be willing and show up and do it and you never know what you can do so That's why I say the internal fortitude to just push through, regardless of fear. That's why I I say, yes, I'm a badass.
1: (laughs) I love that. That's so good. And there's so many valuable takeaways in there, Um, like the power of a coach and having them kind of speak or breathe life into you or a mentor. Um, And then also it kind of reminded me of Jerry Seinfeld's quote, um, about people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy because they hate public speaking so
2: much. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: So for the audience that doesn't know um, what you came to be, how you became to be a copywriter and what you do now, can you share with us?
2: Oh, sure. It sort of evolved because I ended up continuing writing and I was blogging and I, I had done that like start years ago and I started blogging and And what the reason why I started blogging was because uh, my dad had gotten sick. He was elderly and he had dementia. And so I had to kind of step down of some work I was doing at a local church. I was in ministry for many, many years. And so I stepped down and I thought, well, now what do I do? And I thought, well, I'll just continue writing and I'll kind of ramp up my blog and I'll learn more about this online thing to see if I can you know, grow my subscribers. And I was growing my subscribers and I wasn't really thinking about monetizing it. And people were asking me, how are you going to monetize? And I go, monetize? I don't monetize. I just want to write things. (laughs) I just want to encourage people. That's all. And um, throughout that time, those years that I was doing that, I learned a lot about the online space. And I had gotten some courses because I was very much intrigued and I love technology. I'm kind of a geek in that way. And so I started looking at it and I thought, I could actually just do something at home on my computer. And I'm not sure what it is yet, but it's possible. And so those were the initial seeds that were planted where I got really excited about doing something online. And of course the writing sort of spilled into the copywriting. And I had this in my mind that anything that you do, the marketing or even um, sales pages and things like that, you've got to really get very crystal clear on the copy to be able to have it convert. And so that was probably one of the wisest choices I made was to, you know, line up with Ray Edwards, who is a copywriting expert, and join his program and become a certified copywriter. By then, I had more clarity as far as what I wanted to do, and then, you know, launch my website. I had a client um, kind of started it in 2019, I think it was 2019. And then I kind of expanded and now I do... Uh, I'm an online marketing coach. I'm a certified copywriter. So I do one-on-one coaching and I have a mastermind and I do done for you copy as well. So it sort of evolved. It wasn't something like I set out to do right away. It was kind of stepping stones. I did the first step and got the certification and then continued on and kind of understood the online space. I realized I understood more than I realized. Cause I was telling people how to, how to do something because they would ask me, well, how did you do that? And I would explain it to them. And then somebody else would ask me, well, how'd you do that? And I explained it to them and I'm going, I guess I know more than I think I know. <laughs> so anyway, that's how it happened. Yeah. It kind of evolved into that.
1: That's so awesome. And it just kind of shows the power of like, take one step, take another step, you know, you just figure it out along the way, as opposed to having to know it all in advance.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Those, those small little Yeah, think of it as health. If you uh, do a little bit, I'm doing this now because I sit so much that I said, I got to stand now. And so I have an extra monitor over here that I can uh, screen share and I can have my computer stuff on that monitor. And so I stand in the morning when I'm creative, when I'm doing my creative work, just so I don't sit. But incrementally, if I stand an hour to two hours every morning, by the end of the week, those two hours or 10 hours that I'm standing instead of sitting. So what is that gonna do for my body in the long run? That's gonna help my body, right? And I'm a firm believer that even if you have poor habits or you can always improve your health, you can always make it better, improve your health. I used to write for a column in a a newspaper in Reading. And I it was called Living Well, and I was fascinated by health. And I'd interview people and then write their stories. And I would find out just from people, elderly people that would just start walking, or would do something, even if it was 20 minutes a day, the improvement that they had in their health, they were just Dropping medications and the doctor was taking them off of this and taking them off of that, just from those little small incremental things that they did. And it was fast and that stuck with me. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And we don't give those small incremental things enough credit, enough weight, but they do cumulatively, it makes a difference.
1: Yes. And often we like want the big result overnight. When it actually it's like the small consistent steps that you take over time.
2: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So Marissa, I understand that you hiked the switchbacks and we're just speaking of health, I guess that's where my mind went. Um, But that you hiked the switchbacks and backpacked in Romania, which one of those adventures came first?
2: Um, I would say it was uh, probably Romania. It was Romania when I went there. And um, it was great. We went, I was going there with a team of, I was one of eight. And we went there during the summer in July to Bucharest to help with a, a camp, a girls camp. It was an orphanage. And of course, it was more like a boarding school because these girls had, you know, cable TV and they they were very much westernized because they'd watch TV and they asked me if I knew Chickie Chan. They were trying to say Jackie Chan, you know, <laughs> because they figured, well, you come from the States, you must know him or you must right. know Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. I go, no, I don't know them. But um, it was great. We went and we did a lot of different neighborhood things and we also Took them on a mountain hike, so um, it was exciting. Any kind of activities, hiking, rock um, climbing—not inside an inside facility, but actually rock climbing outside in Romania was thrilling. It was fantastic, and I've always been sort of health conscious. And at that time, it was some years back. You know, um, I I was—I had—I had been pretty fit, so I was you know excited about the opportunity. And when we went. Um, hiking into the mountains, we were doing an overnight trip, there was a little lodge, a small little lodge at the top of the mountain. So we were hiking with our backpacks. And then I was going to give a little talk at the top of the mountain. And it was hot. It's very humid there, too. So it was hot. And I had already finished all my water, you know, and it's getting to the point where everybody's running out of water and everybody's getting tired going, you know, up the mountain. And we finally got there. And I I wasn't sure, you know, what to talk about, but after carrying that backpack, it doesn't feel heavy when you first put it on. (laughs) But after a while, you know, hours and hours of walking, you feel, it feels so heavy, so heavy. Um, And it's the same backpack. You haven't put anything else in it. In fact, it should be lighter because you drank all your water, right? Right. (laughs) So anyway, I get up there and I think, okay, I know what I can talk about because everybody was feeling the same way. So I just talked about the baggage that we carry that we can weigh ourselves down and coming from a person that was full of insecurities and had to overcome a lot you know i could really speak into that and let them know that just like those backpacks that we were carrying on our back that was so heavy and weighed us down and slowed us down the baggage that we carry emotionally can weigh us down as well and you know, what you need to do is get rid of that baggage. Just like we, we couldn't wait to drop that backpack mm-hmm. so we can, you know, feel the, the lightness of it. And so that really resonated with, with the girls and with the people that were there because we had just come up that mountain sweating and carrying those backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it was great. It was awesome.
1: So what do you do typically to get rid of the baggage?
2: I do a lot of journaling. And I have been journaling probably uh, for years, for years. And I am very sensitive to emotions. So I let emotions be a tattletale of wrong thinking. So if I'm feeling fearful, if I'm feeling anxious, you know what that feels like, right? You know. And so immediately you can stop yourself, and I call it the power of the pause, and that's where that phrase came from. I would pause long enough to consciously be aware. What am I thinking? What is it that I'm believing? What is it that I'm imagining? Um, Is it true or is it false? And I would stop, and I had to do this a lot in the beginning. Now, not so much, but I still do it, and I, I, I do a lot of this in the morning when I'm journaling, And what I would do is I would catch the thought and I would dissect it. Is this true? Is this imagination? Is it based on history that I think it's repeating itself, which is, doesn't have to, Um, what is it? And so I would unpack that and be able to get so much clarity and realize that what seemed so big and caused anxiety or fear is really nothing. And so I was able to reframe that thought and then move on. And in fact, I had to do that a lot when I was competing in that six-month speech competition because I was very nervous about the next level. Mm-hmm. And what I did to make myself aware of my thoughts was I had these bracelets that made a lot of noise and I never wore them because they made so much noise, but I had them on my wrist. And what I would do is every time I'd have an anxious thought and I'd, I'd stop and pause and think and reframe it, I would say, okay, success. I'd take one bracelet and put it in the other wrist. And by the end of the day, I would have, you know, most of those bracelets on the other arm. And it was a way for me to say, great, you're reframing your thinking. You're not letting those negative beliefs or limiting beliefs uh, dominate you because what you think about really becomes your master. You bow down to it. If right. you think about fear, you're going to bow down to it and you're going to serve fear. If you think about some kind of imaginative thing, whatever it might be, I'm going to die tomorrow. You know, it that's going that becomes like a master over your life and it cripples you. So I didn't want anything to dominate me. I guess I want my independence. <laughs> so <laughs> I looked at it that way. I am not going to let fear, fear was my big one. I'm not going to mm-hmm. let fear be my master anymore. I don't serve fear. That's not who I am. And so I I may, I drew the line and I said, anything that even remotely smells like fear, I'm going to face it. I'm going to use the power of the pause and I'm going to reframe it. And I want to use, and I think everybody does, everybody has gifts, everybody has talents, everybody has abilities, and they are gifts. And I don't want to take those gifts for granted. I want to use those gifts for good, not only for me, but for other people too. That's why I love the online space, because I often tell people, you know, cultivate your resilience so that you can create positive change online. So, you know, we have these gifts and somebody is waiting for a slice of your gift, whatever that might be. So yes. anyway.
1: So powerful. Um, and I really like the example of like the bracelets and putting them on the other wrist, because sometimes we do need something tangible where we can see our progress, you know, as opposed to just thinking like, Oh, how far did I move? But if you can actually see progress from one wrist to the other, or however you decide to do it, I think that that's helpful and seeing in gaining momentum.
2: Yes. And of course I've read a lot of books, you know, um, any books that would help me with personal development. Um, I would read a lot of books. I read the Bible. There's a lot of great proverbs in there. I read a lot, but I think the journaling, the discipline of journaling really helped me explore the the way, the patterns. In fact, one of the questions that I have for myself every day is, do you recognize any unhealthy patterns from things that I write down day to day. And it helps me break those patterns or reframe, rephrase those, those thoughts, reframe them so that they serve me and they don't work against me. So, yeah, it's, it's a process, but oh my gosh, freedom is so sweet. When you're free from those things that concern you. And even during the pandemic, um, I just felt really calm. I didn't feel, I knew that there was a lot of things going on. A lot of people were getting sick and it was terrible. You know, it was terrible. My heart went out to those people that were suffering from it. But me personally, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid. I I, I thought even at the worst, if, you know, if I caught it and I died or something, I know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a person of faith. I go, it's all good. So, you know, it'd be bad, you know, kind of sad that I'd have to leave this soon because I got a lot of goals still, but I need a vacation, so maybe it'll all work out, you know. <laughs> so I just don't, I don't really don't want fear to dominate me anymore. And I've worked so hard for so many years to overcome all those fears that even if something new comes up that I've never done before, it's like, well, how, how hard can it be? How bad can it be? It might be fun. And usually it is fun.
1: Right. And I found like one fear can build onto another, you can either make it worse and it goes to the extreme. So you don't want to do anything, or it's like you conquer one, then you can conquer the next and then the next and kind of build. Yes,
2: exactly. Exactly. It seems like it's like an internal emotional muscle that you're building. And then when crisis does come, I mean, something that's really, you know, an emergency of some sort, you handle it a little better that what could have been a panic like this, you know, of a season of, you know, maybe weeks of panic, all of a sudden, it's like this, you can manage it a little better, because you've learned how to reframe your thinking. And it's a constant thing. And I'm always doing that reframing my thinking and catching what I say. Another phrase recently, just re- you want a recent thing that I'm just refra- reframing. Yeah. Um, yes. I just wrote this in my, my journal um, this week. Because I often, said I was busy, I'm, I'm busy, I'm always busy and I'm busy. So I've got to work on Saturday or I'm busy. And I said, you hey, wait a minute, I'm not busy because busy makes it sound like I'm not approachable. Like I don't have time for people. And I don't, I don't want to say that word anymore. What I'd rather say is I'm intentional to do this particular project. And I want to do this particular project. And I'm grateful that I get to do this particular project. It's not that i'm just busy or that i have to it's more that i choose to and so if somebody says you know can you go out to dinner with us you know i'll either say not that i'm busy i will have to say well i've chosen to work on this project that i need to complete or i'd like to complete by friday so can we reschedule rather than say i'm busy (laughs) you know all the time because i don't know busy just struck me like i have no control Like there's no control and I'm making choices every day as far as what I'm picking up and what I'm letting go. So the word busy was one that I was starting to reframe. Am I really busy or is it really the choices that I'm making? Am I using busy as an excuse, you know, for something? Right. Anyway, that was one of the words I'm still kind of thinking about, but I journal a lot of those things in there. I kind of psychoanalyze myself.
1: (laughs) No, but our words have power. Like the stuff that we say to ourselves over and over again, we don't catch it and they really have power in you know, the directions that we go in life or the things that we don't do because we hold ourselves back sometimes.
2: Yeah. And if we have kids or we have grandkids, do we want them to say, you know, are you going to be busy again today? No, I don't think so. (laughs) So, (laughs) so anyway, yeah, that's one of the words I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to reframe that because I'm actually making choices. So it's not that I'm busy because I've chosen to do something that is a priority for me, or maybe it's not a priority and I don't have to choose to do it. So anyway, yeah, yeah.
1: And in there, you said that you psychoanalyze yourself. And I think sometimes we're afraid to do that, or we've just believed the thoughts that we think instead of diving deeper into it. So I love that you do that and just dig a little bit deeper because I think it's so helpful for like our mental health.
2: Yes. And I do that a lot. It's become a habit of doing that with my journaling. And it's taken me years to kind of craft the right questions because I I have a, a digital journal i don't know if you've heard of day one i use day one that's a digital journal and it's on my ipad so i can just say hey siri open my journal template and it'll open it up and there's questions in there i've created a template and there's questions in there that i ask myself and part of it is i ask what are the wins three wins from the day before Uh, what are the thing three things i want to accomplish today Uh, who uh, added value to my life recently, so that I recognize those people that add value to my life. And then I ask other questions to kind of dig deep, like, how am I feeling today? You know, why are you feeling that way? And then all the other questions, like, are you noticing any patterns, you know, in, in these feelings, you know, and things like that. So it's a series of questions, same questions I ask myself every day. But the answers are always different. (laughs)
1: Isn't that funny how that happens? I know. know.
2: (laughs) People are gonna watch us and go, "Wow, she's a real psycho."
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, they're gonna say you're a total badass. (laughs) So I love it. It sounds like you've overcome so many fears. Like just since we've been talking, like talk, we've heard about the public speaking and also being a writer, and then you went hiking in the or in Romania or backpacking in Romania. Now. Was that ever something before you went to Romania? Was that something you thought you would do, or did you see yourself as an adventurer?
2: No, no. In fact, that was a big leap uh, to go to Romania when I told my husband I wanted to go to Romania because I'd never been to, you know, Europe or, you know, very impoverished area because, you know, they were under a uh, communistic rule until I think, I don't know, was it in the late 80s or something? So, um, He said, well, if if that's what you want to do, he's very supportive. But I was trying to learn Romanian and I didn't know what to expect because I haven't ventured very far, right? I Mm -hmm. didn't know what to expect. And it's absolutely beautiful. The architect there is beautiful. Of course, they've had earthquakes and some of they've lost some of the the buildings that they had there, but it's very beautiful. And and some areas there, they call it the Little Paris. Um, They have the Arc of Triumph, you know, I th- is that what they call it? But anyway, it's very, very beautiful. And um, it was one of those, I think it was one of those times where I decided to do something by myself with a, With a team. I went with a team, uh-huh. but it was one of those choices that I probably didn't expect myself to ever do, but I decided to do it. And lo and behold, when I got there, because the, a lot of the girls had cable, they had a channel for uh, novellas in Spanish, soap operas in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And of course, those languages are very similar. And so they learned Spanish and they were fluent in Spanish. And here I was trying to you know, learn Romanian <laughs> and I was trying to you know, make sure we had an interpreter and they knew Spanish. So I was able to speak Spanish directly with them and I was interpreting to the other people. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, great, really? it was great. I mean, who would have thought? It was just one of those things where I felt you know, that the universe gave me favor, um, because I was trying, I, I wanted so much to communicate with them and I was able to do that. And I would have never guessed they knew Spanish never guessed.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what did you learn about yourself from that trip?
2: I, I think I learned that, um, that I'm capable of more than I gave myself credit when I was younger. Um, I never went to college because I didn't think I would succeed in college. Again, a lot of that remedial English stuff, I didn't think I would succeed. So I didn't go to college. I didn't have the funds for it. I just started working right after high school. So um, I think I didn't give myself enough credit for some of the things that I was capable of doing. And it wasn't until years later, um, I was even nervous about having kids. I thought I'd ruin them. You know, I thought, I don't know how to raise kids. You know, I never babysat. (laughs) I go, I don't know what to do. And I was in a panic when I had my first kid and I was telling the nurse, you got to, at that time they had, I think, um, VHS, I said, like, you gotta bring me some tapes or something so I know what to do with this kid so I don't ruin it or drop it or do something because I was so insecure about everything, everything. And so uh, and even you know, my husband, when I met him, I thought, what does he see in me? And he told me, I don't want to date you. And I go, Okay, that figures. And he goes, I want to marry you. So he didn't want to date me, he wanted to marry me. But I was always doubting myself. And I think one of the things now is. I don't doubt myself, and I'm not saying I don't make mistakes, but I'm okay with making mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes because it's a sign of growth. It's a sign that you're trying new things, and we need to try. I'm, I'm 62, and I feel like I'm just getting started. You know, it. I mean, my business is starting to grow. I'm excited about what tomorrow has to bring. You know, I, I can't wait to try new things and do new things. And, uh, you know, I started walking again. I have to get up at four because here in Las Vegas, it is hot. <laughs> so at at 420 in the morning, it's like 88, 90 degrees and the, the sun's not out. So that's good. But I have to, you know, walk early in the morning. But I thought, I can do that. I can get up early and walk early before the sun comes out. I mean, what's going to happen? I just go to bed earlier, right? So I can get up earlier. I mean, there's so much that we can do. And I think we need to exercise that internal muscle that we have. Because, you know, when I was in Romania and seeing there what they had gone through, through communism, I mean, it, it was not like what you would see. You know, on the internet, everything is so cleaned up and and stuff. But you could see the aftermath of a of a place that was under communist rule, and even the people. I noticed that um, they have subways too, but they're much cleaner than New York City subways. I mean, everything is cleaned, but everything is quiet. Mm-hmm. People are quiet. And one of the things they told us going there is to make sure that you're not loud. Don't be those loud Americans. <laughs> and I didn't realize that we are kind of loud. And, but I, when I was there, I thought, you know, we're so fortunate. Yeah, it's here. Home is a little broken, but it's home. It's home. Uh-huh. And we have so much to be thankful for so much at our fingertips, the internet alone. There's so much that we can do these days. Um, whatever you want to learn, you can learn it. It's at your fingertips. When I was a kid, you had, your parents had to buy you Britannica encyclopedia so you can learn. Right? right. You don't have to do that anymore. Right. I mean, yeah. I've seen everything change and transform. I mean, I still remember when the computers first started coming out. My first laptop weighed like 50 pounds. It looked like a sewing machine. And, you know, I'd carry it out. I was so proud of it that I could take this laptop with me. It weighed like 50 pounds. There's so much to be grateful for. And I think that's one of the things that my journaling has helped me because I ask myself what I'm grateful for. And when you operate from that space, you have hope and you have joy and you have that inner fortitude to try something new. Maybe some of your viewers, some of your listeners, maybe they want to, to write a book or maybe they want to lose some weight or maybe they want to, you know, tackle their debt and reduce their debt. They can do that incrementally. Little things that they do each day, they can achieve those goals, but they do need, I think one of the things is you de- do need some kind of support. You need support of some sort because that helps. And I have my family, uh, my husband, who I just absolutely adore. He's awesome, but um, he's awesome. And he's one of my biggest fans, you know, and, and he's great. And uh, my daughter and my granddaughter live with, with us. She's amazing. My, my daughter's amazing. She made us, she spoils it. She cooks dinner all the time, you know, it's like awesome because I'm busy working and stuff, but I think you do need some community support. And if you don't have it locally, there are communities online, and I know you teach people about um, how to get, uh, remove debt as well, don't you? You teach do, people yeah. how to do that? Yep. So, I mean, there's, all you have to do is reach out and search. I mean, there's all kinds of groups and things online, and and the world has become smaller because of the internet, too, but I'm grateful, and when I see places like, you um, like Romania. And when I was a child, I did go to South America. I don't remember a lot. I just remember a lot of poverty in South America. And I was really, really young when I went there. And I could see people that were maimed that would sit by the cemetery walls, the main street, begging for money. And little urchins. I mean, urchins like Oliver, you know, like the movie Oliver, real urchins that would steal people's watches and stuff. I mean, I thought... Wow, that's different. And I even remember a little town that we went to that was super poor. I mean, you know, these places did not have bathrooms and stuff. It was so poor these villages. And I went there. My mom was getting me some some bread from a bakery or something, and I'm sitting outside in dusty roads and stuff. And uh, she hand me the stuff, and I was eating this bread, and I, I felt you know how like when you feel like somebody's looking at you, you yeah, get that feeling. <laughs> I turned around and I saw like three kids that were staring at me that were hungry. Mm. And I didn't know how to process that as a little girl. And I just found my mom and I was crying because they were hungry and I was eating and I didn't know what to do. You know, mom, feed them or do something. I didn't know how to process it. And all I could do was cry because I felt guilty that I had bread and they didn't. Mm -hmm. But when I think of those things, and that that stuck with me, that memory, that stuck with me all my life, remembering those little children looking at me eating, and they're hungry. So a lot of the things, you know, we've always supported, um, like world vision, we've always supported children and stuff, but it doesn't leave you. And so I think some of my gratitude is knowing that um, I really haven't suffered. I've had not a perfect life. But I really haven't suffered like some people have suffered in the world. And I hope that whatever I do, I can just alleviate and bring some kind of good thing through the Internet, even if it's to help people make revenue or to help people sell their products and services that are going to help other people. I see that as a responsibility to do the best that I can.
1: Yeah. And I think like your badassery is built on your experiences. It's like you remember that moment from being a child so well, but you kind of incorporate that into your life now. And all the hard things that you've been through or like the things that kind of tug on you or were hard to get through. Like they help to give you the character that you have today.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. All, any experience we go through can help shape us. Even the difficult ones, if we let it, if we Mm -hmm. let it, it can, there's always something that you can learn from an experience and I remember at times like when something would happen or I would get offended or someone did a betrayal you know I'd come home and I'd be crying and my husband would say well just forget about them and you know don't think about it anymore and I'd say no but I need to learn something from this experience (laughs) because I wanted to learn what's the silver lining what is it that I can learn from this experience that's going to help me and make me a
1: stronger person (laughs) yeah Yeah. I mean and sometimes we do have to be intentional about it because it can be easy to get negative. Like I could be negative just as easy as the next person. So I really have to be intentional about looking for the silver lining in things. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, Marissa, I want to respect your time. Um, let's end with a tip to encourage badass women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want. And then if you'll share how we can connect with you.
2: All right. For the last tip for those badass women, I just would say, um, You got this. You got this and you can do it. And I think if you just intentionally want to improve your life and continue to be courageous and face those things, you can do it. And it may seem so far removed from where you are presently, but it is possible and the rewards are great. So if anybody um, wants to visit my website, it's just my name, marissashadrick.com. They can visit me and they can see what I'm all about there. Thank you so much for
1: having me. Awesome. I will throw it in the comments so that people can connect with you. Thank you so much. You're such a badass and I enjoyed hearing your story.
2: (laughs) Thanks so much. Take care.
1: Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Wasn't Marissa a total badass? So much fun hearing from Marissa. There were so many great takeaways. I kind of got an accent there. Okay, but I digress. There were so many great takeaways. Definitely tune in on Thursday to hear why Marissa Shadrick is so badass. All right. With that, we'll end the show. Tell the badass woman out there standing in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it.
0: Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, ordinarytobadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's ordinarytobadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt and get back in the arena.